welcome to episode 26 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. A few weeks ago, I put out a call on Twitter asking for artists, makers, and cartographers to reach out if they'd be interested in coming on the podcast. And whew, the response was honestly overwhelming. I'm really excited about it because before this, I really only ever had two to three interviews scheduled at a time. So it was a constant juggling act of essentially cold calling people within the industry, wondering if they ever saw my messages or if it had gone to spam and being excited when I did get a response. But now I have enough interviews scheduled to get us out into January. This is also incredibly helpful because on a more personal note, I will actually be undergoing a pretty intense surgery at the end of October. So now I get to have a whole bunch of episodes ready in the pipeline. So y'all won't even notice my absence for a while. Ah, planning. (laughs) So there is a fun little glimpse of the logistics involved in hosting an interview podcast. Honestly, the hardest part is booking guests. Anyways, I also really enjoyed the results of that tweet because it meant that I was hearing from folks that weren't already in my feed, and now we all get to know the even more creators. Today's guests are Sean and Brianna Atherton, a husband and wife couple who are, as of the day of this episode's release, one day out from releasing their first publication on DMs Guild, Privet's Guide to Ravnica. They have poured a lot of love into this guidebook over the past two years, and I really enjoy getting to hear about their process, which went from Reddit posts by Sean and character portraits by Brianna to this massive, really cool guide that includes races, subclasses, trinkets, magic items, and a whole lot more. I know that you will enjoy hearing about their journey as much as I did. Before we get into the interview today, I wanted to share this really sweet review that I received recently on Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the best ways to support a show as they tell the algorithm that a show is worth promoting and then more people can find it. This review is from Lulu in WA, and they say, Entertaining and inspirational. I'm really enjoying this podcast so far. I've only listened to a few episodes, but I really enjoy the behind-the-scenes view at some of my favorite TTRPG creators. It is entertaining and inspiring. There are so many podcasts out there, and I have a limited amount of time to listen, and I'm really happy to add RPG to my commute podcast rotation. Thank you so much, Lulu. I really appreciate your kind words. If you also want to help support the show and leave me a review, I may read your words on a future podcast episode as well. Some other ways you can support the show are via our Patreon page, which has a few different tracks depending on whether you'd like maps and adventures or tailored content for this podcast, including contributing questions for upcoming guests, a spotlight on our website, and even a shout out on this podcast. You can also check out our affiliates like Found Familiar Coffee. They have the most delicious and nerdy coffee that you'll ever taste. And you also get to collect some pretty cool D&D themed art from every package. I personally have a pretty large collection of that artwork now, and I really can't wait until I get every image. Beyond that, their coffee is delicious and kind of the only stuff that I drink anymore. Go to foundfamiliar.com and enter code LIGHTHEARTADV to get 10% off your order, enjoy delicious coffee, and help me keep this show running. That is enough from me for today, so let's go chat with Sean and Brianna. Today, I am very excited to introduce y'all to Sean Atherton and Brianna Atherton, also known as Bella Luna. How are you two this evening? We're doing good. Yeah. Very excited to be here today. 
yeah, I'm really excited to learn about your project. And Brianna, I have to say your art is so gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really excited. Like it's, you guys have written a really cool supplement. <laughs> but yeah, before we get into that, I would love if y'all could tell us a bit about yourselves and how you each got into gaming. Sure. I'll, I'll start. Um, so I have been into D and D since I was about, I think, I think I was 14 and, uh, I, I played my first 3.5 edition game with two, three other friends. It was only one session. The whole campaign was one session, but it was about 18 hours long. And, uh, it, it was one of those things you could only do when you're 14 years old, (laughs) but, uh, loved it. Uh, and then unfortunately we didn't get to play again for a long time. We, we started up with uh, fourth edition and we played fourth edition for a few years. I think we played for three, four years on fourth edition. Uh, I never DM'd during that time. Uh, I was mainly just a player and then when fifth, uh, when D and D fifth edition came out, I, I immediately got all of the books and I saw this new system and I saw how streamlined it was and how straightforward it was and how it kind of got back into the roots of, of older editions like 3.5 and older. And I said, this is, this is great. And, and, and I don't, I don't want to be a player anymore. I, I want to start creating stories in this. And then so slowly, but surely we started finding some of our friends that wanted to play and uh, we started doing that. And as soon as we, as soon as we got hooked onto playing D and D, you know, it's just one very small step from homebrewing a co- campaign into, you know, wanting to be a content creator and wanting to create stuff in this this wonderful world. I've played video games my whole life. I I didn't I didn't start doing Dungeons and Dragons until college. Um, but I've always loved, like, when PlayStation came out, I was all about Final Fantasy and Chrono Cross and Vampire Hunter D and games like that. And in college, I was first introduced to it. I went to a, a random card shop in the city where I went to school, and they were playing a game of D&D. And they were like, hey, do you want to play? And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> And so they had some extra characters. I think they were hoping people would come in and want to play with them. And so they hand me a character sheet and I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And they're like, I don't remember what they were fighting, but they were fighting something. And um, my first role was in that one. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I had no idea what was going on. And everyone just goes crazy at the table and they're like... (laughs) yelling and I'm like was that good did I do good (laughs) oh no (laughs) and the DM's like uh no your weapon just broke (laughs) but it was so much fun and then as Sean said we we've been playing D&D together for years with our friends and it's just so much fun to to make new characters and get into characters and I personally love you know the art behind them and I always In whatever campaign we're doing, I always do character art for everybody. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Uh So you got roped into doing character art real early then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the the perks. One of the perks. Always have an artist at the table if you can. (laughs) I'll be honest. That's my husband in this relationship. I'm DMing a campaign. And finally yesterday, he asked everybody else in the party to uh, 
tell him what their characters look like. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said there about the, the you know, the, the, the couple's mindset and the, the, you know, how that, that sometimes seems to line up just like that, that you've got a dungeon master and then you've got some wonderfully creative partner there at the table with you. Mm-hmm. So what are y'all playing now? Oof, uh, right now, I mean, we're juggling a few things. Um, I mean, we have a we have a homebrew campaign that we have played for the last four years, five years now. I think it's six. Might be might be six years yeah. now. I, so it, you know, our book is actually set in the Magic: The Gathering setting of Ravnica, but we also I also dungeon master a, a homebrew campaign that we've been doing for a long time. And he's really humble about it, but it's very good. <laughs> Thank you. We're, we are actually running the Tomb of Annihilation pre made campaign uh, pre made guide within the homebrew setting and we are we're at the the, the final dungeon we're at the tomb right now and it, <laughs> so that's that is going to be a very interesting dungeon crawl but looking forward and uh, ahead of that we have some some wonderful content in that homebrew world that's coming up that's going to be in a really colorful setting uh with lots of tropical and desert and and arabian themes uh, that I'm really excited to play out with the characters. Yeah, we're all really excited for that one. I am curious, how are you merging that pre-written module into your homebrew world? So the good news with with a lot of the pre, pre-written material with Dungeons & Dragons is that, you know, if you look at it as a landscape, if you look at it as an environment, as an ecosystem, you you really can just kind of one for one match that ecosystem in your own homebrew campaign of where that fits in. I have a, you know, I have one of the continents on my world that is very diverse. It, there's there's lots of tropical areas, there's lots of jungle areas, and then for history reasons within the lore, there's also a lot of blasted lands and desert. And so looking at kind of that dense, rich jungle that Chult uh, in Tomb of Annihilation brings to the table, I just found where in my world this setting would make sense. And you're able to kind of just put it in there. And a lot of the rest of it is just changing the names of certain things. You know, if you're looking at a temple for one deity and that deity is not in your campaign, well, you can look at what's the domain of that deity. Does that do I have that domain in my campaign? And you can sometimes just do a one for one transfer for a lot of those things. We haven't. I have as a dungeon master. I haven't run into really a lot of issues with just being able to plop that down into my setting. When we started it, it would it just kind of made sense because I needed a small break of content creation for the for the setting and so and we i also just really wanted to run tomb of annihilation so that merged up well i think probably some of the harder parts were things of certain factions like the harpers or the all those other factions that are are presented there that are from forgotten realms or faerun some of those are able to work into the setting that i have some of them aren't some of them get completely rebranded and remade altogether. But for the most part, it's been pretty successful. Okay. Yeah. I find it really interesting being able to take something that you've been like working in your own homebrew setting for a while, but then wanting to merge in something else that's been created. I would love to dive into some origin stories, if you will. So Brianna, let's talk with you first. How did you get into your artwork? I have always been into 
creative things. Growing up, I loved anime. Um, I started watching Sailor Moon probably at like age five when it first started airing over here. So I grew up, you know, with, with artwork and anime. And I would, as I got older, I would pause because I would record them, of course, because you got to rewatch them. I would pause the screen and draw whatever was on the screen. So that's how I learned, I don't know, I guess how to draw. And I realized that I could do it without looking at the screen (laughs) after a while. And so um, it just kind of evolved from there. I had an amazing art teacher named Rob Carlos growing up through high school. And he really helped to bring me out of anime style, which I love, but it's not, it doesn't come as naturally to me and into a more of a realistic rendering. Yeah, from there, I went to college at Northwest College of Art. They've recently changed their name to Northwest College of Art and Design, but they were wonderful. I learned all all about fine art and graphic design. And I've actually, for the past, oh my gosh, how long now? I think 10 years? 10 years, I've been primarily a graphic designer when doing illustrations on the side. Now, I own my own business, Bella Luna, and I do freelance graphic design and illustrations. What is your preferred to do out of all of this? I love illustrations and I love, as I've mentioned before, character art. I think it's so much fun to bring characters to life and show their personality through their expressions and poses and what they're wearing. And yeah, character art is what gets me really excited. Yeah, and I was definitely... uh perusing not only everything in the PDF that you guys sent over, but also just the things on your website. And I, I can tell that you love it. It's it's really cool seeing the different styles that you've got. Thank you. Yeah, I I like being able to do different styles and because there's some things that I feel like translate better in a more um, comic book type style rather than realism. So I sometimes I just kind of throw them all together and see what happens. <laughs> Well, cool. So just going back more with origin stories. Sean, how did you get into writing? Oh, wow. I mean, I've been, I have loved writing since I was five years old, you know, uh, in, in primary school at a very young age, they would do, you know, a, a author's month where all of the students in, in your grade level would get to write a short little story. And then you would kind of do a, 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 print and a binding of your story and then you get to read them in front of the class and I've I've loved writing since I was and since I was that age you know I I loved artwork I loved drawing I loved creating but then you know when I as I grew my I realized that I was much better at describing what it was in my mind than I was actually drawing or painting or or making some kind of other you know, imagery. And so I, I just kind of leaned in more into writing. It's just something I've kind of done my whole life, not something professionally, just something that, you know, really just brings me joy to be able to express myself in word like that. This this is honestly my, this is my first publication with uh, Privet's Guide to Ravnica. This is my first time doing something of this, this magnitude. And, and so, yeah, it, the writing of this has just been a wonderful thing that we've done over the last year and a half, almost two years now. So yeah, writing has been something I've just enjoyed my whole life. 
Well, we've mentioned it a couple of times now, so please tell us all about Perfect's Guide to Ravnica. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so it's it, 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 it's hard to say Privet's Guide without a smile on my face because this has been such a passion project of mine and Brianna's for, again, almost two years now. When I was about 15 years old, the very first Ravnica set came out with Magic the Gathering, the card game. And back then, they also had novels, not not short stories, but full-length novels that were associated with their sets. And so the original trilogy was written by an author named Corey J. Herndon. And it, it I, I don't want to have hyperbole and say it, it changed my life, but it kind of changed my life because it was one of my first real instances with fantasy. Ravnica was this just this beautiful setting of identity. And I think that's what makes it succeed so well is that everyone that goes into Ravnica that reads about Ravnica that reads about these guilds and the, these factions they they can see themselves they can see a reflection of themselves in one of these guilds and they find identity there and i think that's why it's so successful as not just a magic gathering setting but a D setting and a fantasy setting in general so cory cory j herndon wrote these books and they just drew me in. You know, I still have my original copies and I've read them a hundred times now. They're, they falling, they're apart. falling apart, but I love them and I don't want to buy new ones because it's, it's a point of pride. And I, th- this was so long ago. This was before fifth edition ever came out. And I remember just thinking in my brain, oh, what would what would Ravnica look like in Dungeons and Dragons? How would I make this work? How How would this be possible? And you just kind of sit there daydreaming and daydreaming of how you would take this beautiful setting and make it a Dungeons and Dragons setting. Well, you know, thankfully most of the hard work was done, you know, roughly three years ago with Wizards of the Coast putting out Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which has been just, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a D&D book since I've started playing. And I picked it up and I loved it. And there's there's so much beauty and beautiful things in that book. But as is the nature of, of these source books is you only have a limited amount of, of space. You only have a limited amount of content that you can cram into one canon book that has to also flow and be accessible with the rest of all of all the other D&D worlds. You know, the, the classes and the races that are brought into Ravnica a lot of that also becomes accessible in in other forms of D&D. And so what that what that turns into is that the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica it, it it gave us this great taste of this world, but at sometimes I also kind of felt like they just didn't have the space to give us everything that we needed in this setting. There was still so much unanswered design space, so much unanswered flavor there to tap into. And so after reading Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, I was immediately thinking, oh, well, I could start doing this. And, you know, this subclass makes perfect sense. Oh, and what if we wanted to make, you know, strong magical artifacts of the guilds that we saw in Corey Herndon's books? And they just started popping into my head. And roughly about the same time that Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica came out, a subreddit was developed, which is Ravnica DMs. And I stumbled upon this this subreddit just by chance when almost when it was first created within honestly I think the first month of it being created and I found this this beautiful community in Ravnica DMs where 
it's, it's a community of people that love Ravnica, but it's also a community of people that love Dungeons and Dragons and they love Ravnica as a D&D setting. And I kind of just jumped in head over heels into this subreddit community and just started talking with people and answering questions and, and developing really a lot of my content just came from people asking questions and me sitting here and pondering, well, how would I do that? And, and then coming up with answers and then just posting my answers. You know, it, it, I wasn't there long before I was asked to help moderate the, the subreddit. And uh, we're now pushing close to 6,000 members of the subreddit. It's just become this amazing community. So anyone, anyone with Ravnica DMs listening to this podcast, hey, I love you guys. You're an amazing community and you're wonderful. And so Ravnica DMs was kind of where Privet's Guide started, where I it started with a D100 list of trinkets. And I just created a, a list of a hundred guild trinkets because I thought, well, there should be trinkets in this list. Why aren't there trinkets in, in, in Guildmaster's Guide? So I created trinkets. And then after I created trinkets, I'm looking and I'm thinking, well, there could be more racial feats. There should be racial feats. We have racial feats in 5th in edition, but we don't have any for Ravnica. So then I started creating racial feats. And then I started thinking, well, what about you know, a Simic subclass, because the Simic don't really fit into a lot of the classes and subclasses because Artificer hadn't been out at that time um, with with its Alchemist subclass. And I'm like, how, how would I start making some of these things for the Simic Combine? And so all of these different disparate posts and, and thought pools and, and, and everything kind of started forming into these posts. And, and one of the members simply commented on one of my things saying, hey, have you ever have you ever thought about making a guide? Have you ever thought of, you know, you make all of these posts, you, you sit at your computer for hours answering these questions. Have you ever thought about just typing it up into a guidebook? And I, I, you know what? No, I, I had never thought of that. And that's really where this, this idea, this birth of Privet's Guide to Ravnica came from was this subreddit community. And so it started becoming a, a real thing. And, and that's, that's kind of the origin of, of where it all started. And I knew, you know, right away that Brianna would be just this amazing artist. I love, I love my wife's art. I I have been her biggest fan. Maybe, maybe I'm biased because I have so many character portraits of all my D and D (laughs) characters, but, but her artwork is so colorful. It's so vibrant. And in Ravnica, everything is about color and it's about identity you know you have these two color combination guilds and your wardrobe your spells and how your spells look everything about your your characters in in Ravnica is has this colorful identity and so i just knew her her artwork would be perfect for Ravnica and and then we just started to work on it okay so you said that this was about two years ago that it started, but was that just when the subreddit started or when you started realizing that you wanted to make this? That, that was when we decided officially, we want to make a guidebook. We want to make an expansion to Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. And I, I wanted to create something that had all of these thoughts, all of these, you know, Shaded portions of the map is a term I like to use. There's a lot of shaded portions on the map, and I really wanted to to unveil them. And and so that about two years ago, roughly, is when we we really decided we wanted to create Privet's Guide. Cool. 
One thing I love to ask about is just the process. So I do want to hear from both of you because you've had very different roles, but (laughs) from the time that you decided that you were going to create this guide, what were the steps that you took? And at what point did Brianna come in? I think you had quite a bit of writing done first Mm -hmm. so that we kind of knew what you needed. And I remember I was super excited to do Privet. Which is the the cover photo. So yeah. the, the the cover photo of this this demure rogue shifting into you know this amalgam of worms. That's that's actually your guide in the guidebook, Privet. Yes, they were a very cool character, and I identify with it's pronounced is it right? I is always it? say it wrong. Is it and the Boros? So they are more associated with demure, and so I thought that would be a fun challenge to do something outside of my normal color scheme and stuff. What's what's really fun is that, you know, there's already so much artwork for Ravnica. There's been three three blocks, so nine card sets in Magic the Gathering of Ravnica. So there is there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of artwork for this world already. And so there's lots of referencing art. And Magic uh, Wizards also puts out articles just talking about their own process for designing artwork for these sets. And one of the things I did on on the subreddit was create a an FAQ of all these links to all these different articles. And so one of the things that I can give Brianna is a styling guide that's similar to what the actual artists of Wizards of the Coast use. You know, so with the Demir saying, you know, they use lots of angles and things of threes to denote their, their guild symbol. And so for, for me, it really kind of comes up with a concept of I have a basic idea of kind of what I want this character to look. And I'll, and I'll give Brianna the basic concept. And then I will give lots of reference photos and articles. And I find the best, the best way for, for us to, to work together is for me to, at that point, take my hands off. I have a, <laughs> I have a terrible, terrible habit of, of nitpicking and, and looking over the shoulder and saying, well, what about this? What about this? And, and I find that when I do that, it's, it can be stifling. And so something I've had to learn is really to take my hands off and let my artist just have her way. She knows exactly what she wants to do, how to do it. And that's, that was the cover art for Privet was just that I, I gave a basic concept of the pose and a couple of reference photos and maybe a brief, brief description. And the rest of it was, was all Brianna just coming up with all of that on her own. Yeah. And what's really fun for me as an artist, especially when I do a commission or something for somebody else is when I show them the sketch and like the different steps as it's starting to get more finished. And they're like, that's exactly what I was thinking (laughs) inside my mind. (laughs) There was a lot of that in this book. (laughs) And then also it's, it's, you think as a creative person, it would be, I don't know, hard or annoying to work with in somebody else's style guide, but I thought it was really fun, you know, looking through the, all of the, so many pictures of stuff from Ravnica and kind of like taking out the portions to make it look Ravnica, but then also putting in my own ideas and stuff and just kind of melding it together, but it's still looking Ravnica and like, yeah, this is Ravnica. I got it. (laughs) I'm curious too about like you started with, I guess, some different things that you'd made, different supplements, like the D100 table and things like on Reddit. But 
yeah, once you decided to make this PDF, how did you gather all of that together? And kind of what did you all do next? Lots of different files. Lots of, <laughs> you know, you, you see those 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 pictures in, in movies of someone that's trying to piece together all the clues and they've got different things posted all over the place with string attaching them together. And digitally, that is that is how I work. Because I created a lot of the content for Privet's Guide individual of itself, what would happen is I would take a lot of those pieces, put them into separate files. And then um, as I decided, you know, we're, we're doing this, we're going to do a guide. I really believe in outlines. You know, I'm really big into creating outlines. And so really the first the first thing I created was honestly just the table of contents page for Privet's Guide and, and tried to list out all of the things that I had created, all of the things that I, I, I felt could fit. Looked a lot at, you know, the fifth edition player's handbook and dungeon master's guides and said, these are all the things that are in the player handbook. Can I hit all of these things or, or as many things as possible, but in, in Ravnica? And so I tried very hard not to have anything forced. You know, I, I wanted the things that were in this book to be things that I felt were necessary, things that I felt were, I, I use the term design space a lot. And, and Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica left us and left me with a lot more design space that's available in Ravnica to, Ravnica to create. And so that's where a lot of the uh, the subclasses came from, was this design space of knowing you know, the Rakdos make great bards, but some of the bards that we have, they just don't quite fit that that ideology, that philosophy of, of how the Rakdos, the cult of Rakdos works. And so I started asking myself, how does the, you know, what does a cult of Rakdos bard look like? What do they do? How do they think? How do they operate? And I, and I went from there. So everything was piecemealed together and and slowly put together. But once I created that original outline, I was able to really kind of stay focused and stay on track of what I wanted to do. Not sure if you want me to like deep dive into actually like the subclass creation or anything like that. I don't know how how, how finite <laughs> and granular you want me to get on that answer. As finite and granular as you want to get. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I mean, we could be here for a few hours. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, looking at simply creating homebrew content, really, again, it, it's it's about design space. It's about wanting to create stuff that that isn't already there or not create things that are unnecessary, but really looking at what are the things that I feel deserve and, and, and should be highlighted in this beautiful setting. You know, one of the first things I created for Privet's Guide was my Bardic College of Discord, which is primarily associated with the cult of Rakdos. And I I knew that I wanted to create this darker bard. I knew I wanted to create something that was a lot more visceral and, and had a lot more bite and, and teeth to it. I, I love the glamour bard that's in Xanathar's Guide. I don't play bards often, but if I did, I would be a glamour bard. <laughs> I, I love Glamrock and David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. And so that, that bard suits me very well. And I love how it's laid out. I think its abilities are very well balanced and they're all very focused in on what that bard does. And so I started seeing that and I, it, the College of Discord, I like to say, is kind of like the other half of that coin where instead of being this defensive and supportive glamour bard, you are now this 
offensive and chaotic bard of discord and rioting. And so I, I just started from there and literally started at, at level three. When you get this subclass, what do you get? Um, and started figuring out exactly how I wanted these abilities to work. I knew that I wanted this bard subclass to simply create pandemonium on the battlefield when you're in an encounter. And so I think a lot of the abilities kind of reflect that and just went from there. Hey, entrepreneurs. I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now back to the show. Is this the first time that y'all have worked on a project together? It is. Uh, definitely of something of this magnitude yeah. or, or anything that would be published. I mean, the, the closest we've come is just working on like character art. Yes. <laughs> together or maybe like a map design or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. What would you say the experience was like? Over the last couple of years working together. You want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I think it, it went, it went pretty good. You know, there's always going to be those moments where you're just like, stop looking over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think in the past we've worked together just enough to realize how we need to work together. I, I have a, I have this thing that I call shawning. Yeah. So like, I think he kind of mentioned on it before, but like when, when, you know, he's looking over the shoulder and I'm working and he's like, Oh, you should do this or you should do that. And I'm like, I was just about to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I call that shawning me. It's, it's a something now. (laughs) I, I, that's a verb that's associated with me. And that's something that I, that I try very hard not to do. And so, you know, my, I, Brianna works best when I just give her a, a basic idea and then I let her as an artist create it because I, I, I'm creating content, but she's creating the visual of how it looks. She's bringing it to life. You know, I, I give her a few sentences of something, but she makes these beautiful pieces of art that, that evoke feeling and emotion and thought and perspective. So I, I just try to stay out of her way, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and what's what's fun with especially with doing the subclasses was, you know, he's like bouncing ideas off of me and I'm hearing all about them as he's creating them and brainstorming them and stuff. So I I kind of get a, a unique perspective on them, more so than I would get just somebody being like, Hey, draw this thing. So like with with the bard, it was a whole bunch of fun doing that one because it was <laughs> so different than what I usually do. It was darker and grittier and creepy. And those aren't words that anyone would use to describe me or stuff that I (laughs) do. (laughs) And so, yeah, that one was a lot of, a lot of fun to work on with him. You know, it's, it's fun because uh, part of the process of designing this homebrew is really stepping back and my mind just blanked. It's uh, stepping back and play testing, you know, big part of, of the homebrew creation process is playtesting your work. And so one of the things that we did is as I was creating these subclasses, as I was creating these racial feats, as I was creating these simic hybrid animal mutation lists, 
we play tested them with our actual group that we've been with for many, many years now. You know, we took a small pause of doing, you know, our homebrew campaign and we switched over to doing a Ravnica campaign, but it was under the lens of doing a play test. And so the, the artwork for these characters in this book actually became real characters that my players got to play. And so looking at the artwork for me is just so deeply personal because I actually get to see characters and I have names for these characters and I know backstories to these characters. <laughs> so it's, it, it's a deeply personal thing to be able to see these characters represented in this book. It's a really cool thing. Yes. I got to play the warlock. The, is it warlock? Um, that's the goblin in the, in the subclasses. And she was a ton of fun to play. <laughs> She's really cute. <laughs> I like her a lot. I had a little bit of a hand in designing her character. Mm-hmm. It was this oh, cool evolution of, of just bouncing off ideas. You know, I I simply came to, to Brienne and said, well, I need a, I need a, is it warlock? And we know what is it spellcasters look like. But then I also look at the artwork um, that we have for Ravnica and I say, what's not represented? What are the races and the, the, uh, you know, the genders and stuff that are not being represented in Ravnica. And so, you know, we don't see a lot of female goblins. And so we both kind of came up with the idea, why don't we make a female goblin and just took it from there. Yeah, that's really cool. And sorry, back to when you were talking about the bard, Brianna, that was when, when I was looking over the guide that yeah, really stood out to me. I'm like, he's so creepy, but it's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, when I was when I was drawing him originally, I was like super zoomed in on his face, and I'm just drawing him, and I'm like, Ugh. he's like, <laughs> just staring at me. <laughs> that that was the one. That was the one uh, piece of art that going into it, I knew exactly what I wanted out of the artwork, and <laughs> I. I remember back to the scene of, of the Disney movie Hocus Pocus when they're all at the dance club and there is this <laughs> skeleton guy on stage singing, you know, before the witches get on to start singing. And we love that movie. And I told Brianna, I was like, that that guy on Hocus Pocus, I want that, but put him in red. But same, same thing, just give me that guy. And, but then, you know, it's not just that. We have to find it in Ravnica. We have to tie it in. And, and she did such a great job on that artwork. I can totally see that reference. That's amazing. <laughs> Literally, he's, he put a spell on you. <laughs> awesome. So talk to me about the layout. Who did that? Oh, all, all of that is Brianna. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. We, we really wanted it to mimic a D&D book. So, you know, we both did research on the fonts and... I spent so much time looking at books, <laughs> um, just just trying to kind of mimic it, but at the same time, you know, make it our own take on Ravnica. And um, so, like with the watercolor backgrounds, we added that in, but they're just slightly different. They're more vibrant and colorful um, behind the uh, subclasses. And yeah, it's the the books are all designed so thoughtfully and beautifully it was really fun like I I don't know about other people but you know like when you're reading through your your book to find your spells or make your class or whatever you're not always looking at how they're designed and so when you take a step back and just look at how what the books look like and your all of the attention to detail 
it's really cool. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot more detail than I was thinking I was going to have to put into this. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a lot of fun making our own assets and just putting our own spin on it, but still wanting it to be recognizable as a D&D book. The the hardest part for me of the layout is when Brianna comes to me and she says, Hey, can you make this blurb shorter? Like, th- like this paragraph, can you make this shorter? Uh, no, no. Like, I really needed you to make this shorter. It's like, okay. And that, and that's, I mean, that's part of the editing process as well, you know, is, is finding a way to edit it, to get it into the layout that you want to do. So it was a great learning experience for me on how to do these layouts and, and the time and the effort that goes into creating them. Yeah. How long did it take to do the layout? Um, surprisingly, it wasn't too bad. I kind of like did it in like steps. So like I threw all the text in there and then I made it pretty. And then Sean and I looked at it together. Oh, I don't know. I didn't really count the hours. (laughs) Over over the course of what? Two weeks? Yeah. Over the course of two weeks on the time that we have to dedicate to it. Yeah. I stay at home Mm -hmm. with our, with our, our toddler. So <laughs> when I can sneak the time in. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like it was too bad. So that's good. Yeah, no, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, no, it, it was the, the layout was was easier. You know, for me, I just type things into a Word document. And I, I do my own layouts in a Word document just for my own organization. But it's nothing that mimics what the final product is going to be. But then I also put in all the effort of you know, well, I'm going to bold this and italicize this and I'm going to put, I'm going to color these words and do all these things because it's going to help Brianna when she goes to put it into InDesign and then come to find out when you put things into InDesign from a Word document, it does not save any of the formatting. So all of the, all of the effort that I tried to put in there to make it easier did not, did not go through. (laughs) Well, there is a way to transfer it, but it's never really worked for me. So... So I know that as of the time of this recording, we've still got about a week-ish until you publish this for real. But I would love to know about the process of just getting it ready for publication. So kind of what are the steps that you've taken? What may have surprised you or has been different than what you expected? But yeah, just what what's it like getting ready to go live? Yeah, you know, we have a different, a slightly unique publication experience because we do Ravnica, which is an IP owned by Wizards of the Coast. And because of that, you know, there's only really one way to legally publish and distribute this guidebook, and that's through DMs Guild. We we don't have the legal capability to distribute this on our own. Uh, it has to go through there. Luckily, the people at DMs Guild have lots of wonderful templates on the whole, all of the steps from A to Z on, on putting your, your guidebook together and, and how to do your publications. We definitely kind of did our own thing when it came to the creation of the product itself. But for the publication portion, mainly just followed a lot of the guides uh, from DMs Guild. There's also a, a DMs Guild Discord server that I'm part of for creators, and they've been wonderfully helpful. Um, there's been some wonderful people that have helped me along the way for publication. A creator named Phil Kearney that's actually up in Seattle near near us, who's done a lot of publications on DMs Guild with Ravnica specifically, uh, has helped me with some of this. Our editor, Jack Waygill, has helped us with a lot of different things just along the process. So 
I think our main focus was simply creating the product. And when you get to the point of ready to do the publication, that's that actually is probably one of the easier parts because DMs Guild makes it, you know, so much simpler for you. And when this episode is live, it will be, if you are listening to this on the day that the episode drops, it's going to publish tomorrow. Tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That's so exciting. Is there anything that you're doing in this last week or are you just kind of you're ready. You're just doing some marketing. Like what, what's going on in your last couple of days? Um, a couple of last minute sketches to mm-hmm. add to it. I'm just finishing up a sketch probably tonight of a fun little vehicle. It's called an Observosphere. <laughs> uh, thank you, Corey Herndon, for your wonderful that naming convention. Uh, so <laughs> this, this one comes directly out of the Guild Pack book of that trilogy. Yeah. And then another little sketch that I'll finish up in the next couple of days. Nothing, nothing too bad. But yeah, it was when I finished the last, what was the last thing I finished? The Windrake armor. No, 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 no. Before that, it was something, I don't remember. There was something I finished and then Sean was like, so, (laughs) do you think we could add like three more things? I'm the worst. (laughs) I'm the worst. I, you know, I... Because I know, I know that a, one of the main reasons, you know, if, if we see success with this guidebook, I know that one of the very big contributing factors to that is, is Brianna's artwork. Um, it has such a huge response from the community. And so any opportunity that I have to get more of her artwork into the book, I will take every chance. <laughs> but yeah, the Drake armor was one of those things. And then the next two little sketches I'm working on. But the Drake armor was actually a lot of fun. And I think it turned out really, really cool looking. So mm-hmm. I'm actually really excited about that one. And I'm glad that we added it in. And I've never done a vehicle before. So this vehicle kind of hurt my brain a little bit. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's turning out good. And I'm excited about it. You're doing a wonderful job with it. <laughs> okay, so that does make me curious, though, on... When you are doing a normal art commission outside of this project, mm-hmm. you know what is your normal turnaround time that you quote out versus how much time he's giving you? <laughs> <laughs> um, my normal turnaround time it depends on the level of artwork you want, you know, because I I offer a lot of different styles and options and stuff, but usually it's about a week or a two week long period. Oh wow! That be that being primarily for like a, a single a single piece of artwork, not not yeah, for yeah, an yeah, entire yeah. guidebook. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course, of course. But that's for like my my probably my high level character art, full everything about it about a two week period. Okay, I'm curious. Then what are the different type of levels that you offer? <laughs> you know, I still kind of like am like figuring them completely out. <laughs> But like a, a headshot, shoulder portrait, about a Hedge, like a headshot or bust, and then yeah. waist up, and then full, and then full, full. Art. and then I have like if it's a, a a sketch or an outline with no color or a simple render, which is color but no like shading, and then there's the full render, which is what you see in the book. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm just I'm curious. Like you did mention that you started the, your business, but you know, how long ago was that? And I would just love to learn a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, I started in, it was 2019, right? 
it was January. We we we, we officially literally, opened literally like a month before COVID hit. Yes, we 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 <laughs> opened the doors a month before COVID. Yes, and so we actually I actually had quite a bit of work at first. A lot of character portraits. Um, I did one really, really fun one for a little girl who was in the hospital who wanted to be a superhero. And I absolutely loved that one. And then once, you know, pandemic and stuff really hit, we, well, I kind of stepped back and focused on taking care of our toddler and well, she wasn't really a toddler back then, but, (laughs) and on family and just, just kind of, uh, refocusing. So in the past three, four months. I'm really starting to get back into it and hit the ground running and yeah. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun um, interacting with the community on uh, Twitter. There's lots of really great people on there. Um, The tabletop community is just a lot of fun there. And I wasn't part of that community before. I was just kind of like general art, um, uh, which is great, but the tabletop community is, just been really welcoming and very helpful. Hashtag TTRPG family. We're here for you. <laughs> Have most of your commissions started to come from like tabletop RPG stuff? Most of them started out actually off of Reddit. Sean kind of doubled as my promotion person. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and he actually got me got me quite a few when we were first starting off and yeah, I've had some people contact me from the tabletop community. So, yeah, I'm just waiting until our, our release date to really start getting those done so that I am Certainly, fully av- yeah. available to Sean if he needs whatever he needs for the, the book. But right now, I'm mainly mm-hmm. just kind of building the pipeline so that when, when Privids is out that, you know, we we have other things that we'll start working on and... Mm-hmm. You know, my my next next thing in my brain is going to be Privet's Guide to the Undercity, which is Privet's Guide Two, and I'm already over here starting to plan all these different <laughs> things. And I have to remember that there's there's a business, and there are other wonderful people that are requesting artwork besides me. <laughs> I can be very rude. Yeah, and then we also have another project that we're starting up soon. Yeah, we're uh, we are actually starting the the groundwork right now for a D D live stream and podcast set in Ravnica, also including, you know, Privet's Guide to Ravnica uh, content in this live stream with a couple of people from our homebrew campaign, along with a few other people that we know that are really, really big into D&D and are just wonderful players that we that we can't wait to, to get this off the ground and play with. That's awesome. And also really good marketing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like is like is that started? Do you have a time frame on when? It, everything's everything's a little too early to be before we okay. can give time frames. Right now, we're we're just focused on Privet's guide um, and getting that out there. But we're we're hoping that actually Privet's guide will help boost us in sponsorship into the live stream and get that off of the ground. So hopefully we will have some updates on that in the not so, not so distant future. Yeah. You'll probably see character art for my character fairly soon. Cause I'm super excited to play her. <laughs> can, can I ask about her? Yeah. <laughs> um, she is going to be part of the Boros. Boros Legion. Mm-hmm. And she has some secrets that I can't tell. That's a tough thing. Yeah, there's <laughs> Ravnica is filled with intrigue and mystery. But she is going to be a lot of fun. She's going to be um, a fighter, 
And her goal is to be part of the Skyjacks. Mm -hmm. So the Um, Boros Legion has the League of Wojaks, which is a kind of a sub-faction that work as a police force, a peacekeeping force, and kind of like a military investigation force. And they have their own avian rock riding patrols called the Skyjacks, something that's always been really fun and, and identifiable in Ravnica. Yeah, so I'm excited to play a character that flies <laughs> on a mountain. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That sounds really cool. I definitely look forward to learning more about that. <laughs> so one thing I do want to make sure that we take some time to go over is a question that I like to ask all of my guests, which you are one week out from releasing this massive project that you've been devoting the last two years on and working really closely together to get this out and ready. So just kind of looking back at all of that, what would you say has been the most challenging part? That's a great question. <laughs> we both made like the exact same gesture at the same time. <laughs> Thinking Ch- about chin it. in our hands, staring <laughs> off into the distance. <laughs> I know it, it can definitely be a stumper because uh, a lot of times it's like, well, there's a lot of challenging things or like, I don't know. I loved it. But Really, I guess the reason that I like to ask it is because I do like to focus on like kind of lessons learned and processes because a lot of folks are wanting to be writers or artists or, you know, fill in the blank, some kind of maker within this industry. And while it's really fun to learn about the stories and talk about like, yeah, we made it. and It's been great. Like, I also like to acknowledge that there are challenges. You know, I, I, I think for me, The hardest challenge is honestly internal and dealing with self-doubt at times and that nervous voice in your head that tells you that no one's going to want to read this. You know, that's there, you know, there's thousands and thousands of homebrews out there. No one's going to want to buy this book and looking at yourself and saying, I want to create this for myself. You know, for me with Privet's Guide, if, if no one bought this, if we never published this, I would still create it. Because it, it is, it's content, it's creation, it's part of a, a setting that I know and love, and I think it's something that, that was necessary. And so for me, the challenging part is just to kind of step out of my own way, get out of my own head, and realize that this is, is something that the community wants, and that just do it. Just, just go have fun. If you have fun making this content, if you have fun doing homebrew and, and creating this stuff, don't stop. Just just keep doing it. If, if if you are the only one that loves it, that's enough because you love it and it's great and it's your own creation. Um, yeah, I would say for me, you know, it's 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 funny because so there's a lot of illustrations in the book that are things that I would not normally do and they're out of my comfort zone. And like a lot of the magic items, I was like, there, there were multiple times I remember telling Sean, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> like I, that's that's not the thing I usually do and he would just be like no I think you can do it you sh- you should give it a try and every single time it surprised me like by the time I was done I'd just be like wow this looks really good like I did it like <laughs> I I surprised myself a lot and that that was like it's a challenge when you first start but it's really rewarding when you're done and you've created this thing that you didn't think you could do. Yeah, I absolutely love those. And that will actually lead me into 
the follow-up question, which is, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of it? <laughs> <laughs> so if there's anything you would want to add. Um, yeah, well, that that is the rewarding part yeah. of it. Um, what's, what's also fun is we, we kind of got to be each other's cheerleaders because mm-hmm. I remember him saying the things that he said that was a challenging part is, oh, nobody's going to read this. And I just remember saying, no, this is really good. Like, you need to give yourself some credit. This this is really good. And I think a lot of people will really enjoy it. You know, for me, the the, the rewarding part, I think it sounds cliche, has, has been the journey of, of doing this, the the experience that I've get, gathered. I, I think, honestly, I've gotten, gained enough experience to go up a level in D&D on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a wonderful experience of the whole process. Um, like I said, coming to Ravnica DMs on Reddit and, and uh, meeting these people and being part of this community and uh, creating something that f- f- with this community that, that they are excited for. Um, I will also say, you know, I, seeing comments on social media, like I've spoken about Corey Herndon writing the original Ravnica trilogy. And when I hear that he is excited to read this book, uh, for me, that's all the validation I need. That's that that right there is going back to being a 15 year old and reading, you know, this author who wrote this amazing series in this amazing uh, world. And now I'm creating content in it. And that author is excited to to read this. Um, it's just all of the the confirmation and validation that I need. It's been a wonderful journey. That is really cool to be able to have that. You just see that comment. It was pretty cool. It was fun because I didn't recognize the name. I saw his comment on one of Sean's posts and I don't remember what I commented back, but I, I, I said something back and then Sean saw it and he was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? What's going on? What? <laughs> okay. That makes the story even better. I love it. <laughs> well, Okay, so I know we've kind of already talked about your next upcoming projects, which I love that you're a week from publication and you're just like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Oh, yeah. I can't, can't stop. What I want to know is what are you doing to celebrate the publication coming out on the 18th? We're looking at each other <laughs> thinking to ourselves, what are we doing to celebrate it coming out on the 18th? We're celebrating? Uh, I think we're going to take a nap. <laughs> I, I, I think we're going to go to bed early and enjoy enjoy some sleep and and, and not have to work on this for a, for a, a day or two. And then uh, it's for us, it's just this this great thing of, of being able to do this. And and I could never have done this with anyone else. You know, I I, I tell Brianna that I I could not have done this without her. I could write these I could write these words. I could create this content, but I don't think I ever could have or would have published this book, this guidebook without her, because I, I really, the energy that she gives off just inspires me to keep going and seeing literally her taking these images out of my head of what I'm trying to describe and putting them into imagery is so inspiring. I just couldn't imagine doing it with anyone else. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys are so awesome. And I hope that one day that I get to like meet you at a convention or something. But, that would be amazing. <laughs> but seriously, thank you both for coming on and chatting with me and getting us all excited about Privet's Guide. Where can people find you? 
So they can find Privet's Guide on dmsguild.com, uh, the only place that you're going to find it. You'll find me primarily on Ravnica DMs, the, the subreddit that you'll see, you'll see me as a, a handle of Nexus13. But I'm also on Twitter at, at Sean underscore Atherton DM. Yeah, and I'm on all the socials. I'm on, well, I guess most of them. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And it's just either the Bella Luna or Bella Luna, depending on what I was able to take on those <laughs> platforms. <laughs> All right, perfect. I will have a links to all of those in the show notes. But seriously, thanks for coming on, you guys. This has been really fun. Thank you. For Thank you so us. much for having us. It's been it's been a pleasure being here. You just finished another episode of Roll Play Grow. To check out the show notes from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com/rpg. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at WCR for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find us as Lightheart Adventures on both Instagram and Patreon. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Role Play Grow.